Good morning. A thank you to the Edelmans for opening up their home for the sheer and making it such a beautiful atmosphere inside here. The future shul be'ezras Hashem. Is this the first shear we're having inside here? I think so, right? No? Well, what do we do before? We have maybe hashkashins, right? But, but never, never a shear inside here. First Sunday morning, there we have it. Okay. So this is going to be very different than usual. We're not necessarily going through a sugya with Mara Makomos, but I would like to share just a couple of, of insights from Rav Chaim, which Hashem will all have the ability to uh, look at some of the hespedim that took place today and gain chizik from that. Everyone's aware of the fact that Rav Chaim was Messiah Kola Tarakula every year. And Kola Tarakula meant Kol HaTorah Kula. <clears throat> Basically, the, the Seder, which he referred to it as his chovos, right, his obligations, his daily chovos, he did eight blot of Talmud Bavli, four blot of Talmud Yerushalmi, Medrash uh, Rabbah, Tanchuma, Sifra, Sifri, Zohar, <clears throat> he did five blot of Shulchan Aruch daily. Shulchan Aruch, when he did Arachayim, it was together with the Mishnah Bura. And therefore he didn't move as quickly through Arachayim as he did through Yeridei and others. Now how long did it take Rav Chaim to do his daily chovos? It sounds like it was about three and a half hours a day. So it's like four seconds a blot. <laughs> it's about three and a half hours a day. And uh, the basic Seder Hayom was, he would wake up at three in the morning, which for some of us is not that crazy, you know. <laughs> but he would learn from three to five, and then it sounds like for many years, I don't know how many, but the minig was that he would be a sandik at a bris or two or three, <clears throat> and uh, never was officially invited, but had this chos many times a day. And then we'll continue, it sounds like, from 9 to 11, finishing up his chovos. From there on, obviously he was involved with learning every moment of his life, and uh, you know, reading many stories throughout the years, and speaking to people who were more in the inner circle of Rav Chaim. His personality was such that every moment where there was a possibility to be learning, to be chazering, it was, uh, it was my mission, an obsession, a holy obsession. Uh, what, what I found so intriguing about Reb Chaim, and, you know, Nebuch, none of us here had a real close connection with him. I was Ochad to get a bracha 20 years ago, and I'm sure many of us had that opportunity. But you're just seeing the, the pictures and schmoozing with people Sometimes you don't realize that besides being the, the Mas Hador, he was also, he, he had a sense of humor. He was, he was a relaxed personality. He wasn't uptight. And putting those two things together of having all of these personal chovos and expectations and having the whole weight of the tzibur on your shoulders 
but somehow being able to have a relaxed sense of uh, personality and menuchas and that's a very chash, a very rare combination. There's a piece here that always reminded me of, of Rav Chaim and this kind of pursuit. This is from the Koch Ve'or, of Itzel Blazer. He has a Yusod in Hashkafa where he says, when one has a sense of hechrich, there, there's, a, there's a job I need to do, there's a responsibility, that feeling of mission takes away kavedus. It makes it that whatever I'm doing is not that difficult. To the point where I barely even feel it. You could have a person like a soldier who's working with intensity the entire day. But he doesn't feel he's not at all taken aback by the, the, the burden of the work. Because he has a sense of, of obligation, of mission. <clears throat> He says, Rabbi Blazer says the same thing is true when it comes to Vodas Hashem. When we have a feeling that this is not like I'm volunteering to do my Vodas Hashem, but this is my whole life's mission. This, I'm Mukhrach to be doing this. And there's no way of getting out of this, nor do I want to get out of this. So then, I don't feel the kavedus, I don't feel the burden. But if my whole experience in Avodah Hashem is always what I'm choosing to be involved with, you know, this speaks to me more and therefore I, I tend to do that, this I'm not as into, and, and my Avodah Hashem becomes really picking and choosing so then, even the little that I may be doing, that'll come with such a sense of kavedus and burden, I won't have a continuity even in the smaller things. <clears throat> and I think this definitely describes the, uh, the hasmada of a personality like Chaim Kanievsky. Because he had these chovos, he had this sense of obligation, not just for himself or his own accomplishments, but mamish, he felt that he was holding up the world, and he was. He didn't have a kvedus, there wasn't an anxiety to it, but it was benachas, it was beyushav hadas. There's a Gemara at the end of Megillah, right, the conversation where different Amaraim were being asked the question, what did you do to be Zoha to live so long? Sholu talmidaves Rabbi Zakai b'merachta yomim. So he lists three things. Miyomai... Right for my entire life, I didn't do this or I did this. Shalu Talmidav as Rabbi Elazar ben Shemua b'ma'arachta yomim. What did you do, Rabbi, to have such a long life? Amar lehem miyomai lo asisi kapandri lebeisakanesis. I never cut through a shul as a shortcut. Lo psati al rosh om kadosh. I never walked over the people in a way that would be showing arrogance. Lo nesasi kapai below bracha. I never did nesias kapayim duchening without making a bracha. Now, many of the things it lists here, they are halachos. It's not like 
he was answering, I think I was Zoha to Arichas Yamim because I said Tikkun Chatzos every night Bekavona Atzuma. He's saying things that he, that he did that he never did. Sholu Talmidavis Rabbi Pereda, Bema Rachta Yamim. So what's strange about this Gemara is that many of the, the, uh, the segulos that these Amaraim were sharing with their Talmidim were nothing that fantastic. They weren't Lifnim Mishur Sadin, and they were all different. So for you, you were Zochot HaRichas Yamim because you did those three things, and for him, he did those three things. What's the Tzadah Shavah What's the common theme? <clears throat> so many explain, Pshat and the Gemara, is that the focus was not so much on what they did or what they made sure not to do. It was miyamai. That my whole life, I was makbid. Meaning, the tzadashov of all of these different amarayim being zocha terichas yamim, is lav dafka, the, the, the maisim, but the consistency. When you have that hargash of miyamai, this is who I am, this is who I have been, this is who I always will be. It's not, you know ebbing and flowing, and when I'm more interested in, more inspired or less inspired, I stay away. That consistency itself is a davar chashavad mode. <clears throat> so I just want to share with you a couple of ideas here, scattered thoughts from Rav Chaim. <clears throat> One thing that was unique is when you would ask a Mishaila, and I've read this in many places, sometimes you have a basic feel of what your Rebbe's going to say. With Rav Chaim, <clears throat> you really had no clue what the answer would be. Is he going to be mechazik you in, in learning Torah? Is he going to tell you you should be more zohar with natilas yadayim? Right? He, didn't, he didn't know where he would go. I'll share with this, this piece first. Did he ever leave Eretz Yisrael? Did Chaim ever leave Eretz Yisrael? <clears throat> yeah? Actually, listen, I'm, I'm sure as we go through Mr. Shams of the Mishpach and everything else, we'll learn all about the life and legacy. <clears throat> Let me ask you the following Shiloh, though. This is from a Sefer from uh, Rav Yitzhak Zilberstein, and uh, one of the most prolific authors of our time. So he quotes over a Shiloh that a Kala posed to him. That a Kala came to him... She was mamish uh, with a broken heart. To Rav Chaim? To Rav Zilberstein. Right? Just to understand the family. He was a brother-in-law to Rav Chaim. <clears throat> so she basically presented the Shiloh that she lives alone with her father. Her, fa- her father is a widower. And she is really taking care of him. She's engaged to get married. And they have a date set for the chasana. But <clears throat> Nebuch, her father, just received news that he has a very, very uh, difficult machla. And now more than ever, she's going to have to be there <clears throat> to take care of him. So the shaila was, maybe it would make sense to push off the, the chasanam even for a year so she could be fully devoted to her father. She explained to Rav Zilberstein that since she was always together with her father, helping him in everything, if she were to leave him now and get married and start building a new home, 
Lo yuchali is tather bekochos atzmo, b'miyuchad la'achir shechola b'machla hakasha. He would not be able to take care of himself, and she couldn't be there as often. <clears throat> so she was presenting to Shiloh, what should I do? So what was the first question that Rav Zilberstein asked the Kala? Huh? You be Rav Zilberstein. What's the first question you asked the Kala? How does your chassan feel about this? <laughs> right? Mahi teguvoso shela chassan. What's the response? What's the reaction of the chassan? So she said, well, my chassan, he's, he's a ben Torah. And he said, ask a shayla to a chashav arav. And uh, whatever the das Torah is, I'll be makabel. Yisrael am kadoshim. <clears throat> so Zobostin writes, I was ma'ayin into the sugya. And it seemed to me that what she was suggesting made a lot of sense, to push off the chasana. We're talking about a young lady, she wasn't even 20 years old yet, and therefore pushing it off for a year in the scope of a family and marriage and children, you know, nishka ferlo. And he said, Hagam, ena metsuva apirivya, we know that women are not a mitzvah on Puravu. And the mitzvah of her helping her father is a chiv de raisa. Yesera mikach. Hasiba shishin is sua patura mitzvah's kibbut We know that once a lady is married, she's potter from kibbut It doesn't mean totally, but it's a very different relationship. That's because now she's brishus bala leha. Right? She's really together with her husband, and that's her main, her main chiv, like the Gemara and Kedushin spells out. So therefore, I thought that she, uh, she maybe should push off the chasana for a year. However, he writes, Aval b'chol ofen, kivin shekol inyaneim shel chasan b'kala, inyane shemayim heim, when it comes to paskating these halachos, Right, these are Yonai Shemayim Heim. Hitzati Hadavaram Gam Bifnegisi. I wanted to present this Shiloh to my brother in law, Hagoin Meran Ruchayim Kanievsky. Okay, now we have the opportunity. Climb into Ruchayim's mind for a moment. What are you Paskin? Get married and move into his house. Now, if I was a betting man, right, the Svara. Right? There's always the halacha and there's the svara behind the halacha. The svara that Rav Chaim said is a svara that I don't think any of us would have thought of. What was the Iker svara? It's hard to know the Iker svara. What was the svara that Rav Chaim shared, though, with Rav Zilberstein as to why he felt it would be a bad idea to push off the chasana? Something could go wrong. Okay, so these are svaras we're familiar with. These are svaras that I would have said, <laughs> right? Maybe she'll change her mind and not what, do it. What's that? It's okay, but that, that's a common svara. What? It, it sounds like Pashib Jad by then. You know, it was a terminal illness and he didn't have that much time. So the, the, that, that's also part of the cheshben. You know. What's that? <laughs> okay, so you could be done on that. What brings the father more nachas? Having his daughter there with him 24-7 or seeing her get married and not having her 
around as much. Did they ask the father? But the real answer is raise money for a caregiver father. That's what I would do. Did you? You want to chime in? Push off the wedding until what? Yes, yes. All right. I mean, I, I happen to think these are all very, very true svaras, and it could very likely be, you know, hakoze nichnas in the psaq of Chaim. You know, but even that idea of, of creating a resentment in the daughter, these are all real svaras. But there's a svara that he was machaving to, and this is, this is, in a sense, it's classic. <clears throat> He says as follows: Hagrach Amar Shomnam Hasvaras and Al Hayd Nechonos Alibadeilchasa. What you mentioned; these are all true uh, svaras according to the din. <clears throat> However, Lemaisa Hakol Hachriya Acheres. But I want to be Machriya a different way, based on the Mishnah in Makos and Perik Beis Mishnah Vav. The Mishnah there says a halacha we're familiar with. Those who go to Ir Miklat because they killed Bishogeg and they only go free with the death of the Kohen Gadol. So the mother of the Kohen Gadol, what they would do is they would provide food and brownies and clothing for everyone there. In order that the people living in their miklat should not daven for the Kohen to die. Gam benidoneinu, posak hagon Rav Chaim Kanievsky. Im naakev es a chosen melisa es kalaso. Kalaso, if we were to push off the chasana, b'shel machlas ha'av, because of his illness, horehu yispalil b'seser libo al chosno sheyomos. The chasen will daven. B'seser libo means not consciously, but there'd be a subconscious tefila that his father-in-law to be should pass away. And you might ask the question that the chasen is he's a ben toiro. <laughs> he wants to ask a and he'll say, "Chas v'sholem, I would never die. I would never daven for him to die." Harehu dover shkarim, shkarim. He's lying. <laughs> Why? If the Mishnah is made that this is how the mensch works, that a person who wants to be freed from a particular nisoyon, even if that means davening for the death of someone else, they'll do so. The Mishnah is being megala reality in the nefesh adam. You can't. You can't wage war against the reality of one's neshama. That was the svar that Rechaim gave his brother-in-law, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So Rebbe Feder is saying you could also say the flip side of the coin, that if she's married, then now you have someone else in the mishpacha who could be helpful, no, exactly. uh, and but, who could daven. Uh, but, but that's pshat. In other words, that won't change. In other words, because he'll still have a shiba. Well, her shiba will be slightly different, because Lemaisa, now she has a, a husband. Right. Uh, but Lemaisa, you could argue now, though, you have more help. And the truth is, what's, what's interesting about this sefer is oftentimes, 
when Rav Zilberstein either consults with, you know, he quotes things over from Rav Yashiv or from Rav Chaim, sometimes the answer given is not the same answer he could convey to the Shoel. <laughs> right? So he says as follows. He says... Since I couldn't tell the Kala what, exactly what Rechaim said, misibus muvonos, right? Understandably. So amarti lo rak shekadai mo'od shabito tishaten b'mo'od shenikva. The way I presented the B'sak was that she should definitely get married in the time that's set. Right? He's speaking to the father now who's sick. Until now, you only have the daughter who could daven for you, Rafuah. And you'll only be gaining from having another member of the Mishpacha. So he concludes by saying the father was, was maskim and the chasana took place, Bishatova Mutzlachas. No, 100%. He would never say Shekhar. But Lemais, I think one, one interesting takeaway from a, from a psaac like this is that in, in Reb Chaim's world, you know, so often we, we learn something, but it could be somewhat disconnected from, from real life. In the view of Reb Chaim, if the Torah is being made, if Torah Shabbat Peh is telling us this is, this is reality, so that reality is koveya the halacha. Th- this is emis. You know, it's a whole different approach to learning and, and then the application of that learning in halacha lemaisa. Incredible. I'll share with you another, another insight here from Rav Chaim. And this, I think, just shows a little bit of, of his own chuka, his thirst for learning and his, uh, his geshmak in learning. Somebody asked him the following question. This is a Sefer Eish Tamid from Reb Druk. Reb Druk is one of the, one of the Talmidim of Chaim. <clears throat> the the Medrash Rabbah says that Ma dogim halalu gedelim b'mayim Fish who grow in water Kivin sheyeredes tipa achas milmala If it starts to rain, what do fish do? Mekablin oso bitzimo'on they all go to the surface of the water and they try to be makabal that drop of water with a real thirst. As if they never tasted water before, although they live in water. Medrash Rabbi says, the same thing is true with Kalah Yisrael. We grow up surrounded by the Mayim of Torah. But when a Yid hears a Chiddush in Torah, a new insight, a new angle, we are Makabalit as if we've never heard Torah before in our lives. That's the analogy with Dogim and Kalal Yisrael. So here's the Shaila. Oh, it's a shlita here, right? Zatzal. Shenisa lasos kein bedogim shbebeso. You have these guys, right? I tried this at home. I, I, I got goldfish from the wheel catches, and before they died, <laughs> before we did this ceremonial flushing them down the toilet, I tried this medush rabba out. We put some drops in the water. Lo and behold, lo kiblu usam bitzimon. 
but they're not min hashemayim. <laughs> okay. So why should they work? <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a good teretz. But this is the kasha that was posed to Rav Chaim. Now the truth is, I didn't realize this until recently. The, the questions that Rav Chaim would receive on a daily basis were not just pikuach nefesh and you know halacha lemaisa. But people would ask him questions all over Tanakh and Shas and Yerushalmi, just on pshat, just random questions. And, you know, Lafid the second pshat on the Rashba, Yerushalmi and Brachos and Daf Yud, how does that stim with the... The right, mom would ask him on everything. I remember I, I had a friend going back more than 20 years, and he would write letters to Rechaim often. Now, this has to be understood. Okay. Can't share this in all groups, but uh, he was getting pressured from his parents to go to college. And the Maisa, he was learning well in yeshiva, and it was just like his first year or two in yeshiva. He really wanted to have a few, you know, years of, of just solid <coughs> learning before going to college. So he wrote a letter to Rav Chaim asking him, what, what, "What's the eitzah? Okay, what's the eitzah? What's the eitzah? Ha- no, what should I do? Should I listen? Should I not? Keep it of aim? Talmud Torah? Should I make a pshara?" <clears throat> the response was, Aser lishmoa l'rishoyim halalu. Could take in different ways. Oh. <laughs> now the Maisa, right? How do you understand that? You have to see how he asked the question also. You have to see how he asked the question. But, but the Yisod is that Oftentimes, and I've, I've, I've heard this from others, and you see this in some of the responses, oftentimes the response of Chaim is, is not there to paint the whole picture for you. I don't think he was calling this, this young man's parents Rishayim. They were not Rishayim, they're beautiful people. But trying to, like, through a short little response, give you a different hasaga of Das Torah. They're pressuring you to, to do something. This right now in your life, where you are, this could be begeder Rishus. Ayin Shom Don't try that at home, by the way, you know? <laughs> so anyway, this is the question that was posed. I tried this at home with the drops of water in the fish tank, and it didn't work. So Chaim took his staff, and he said, get out of my house, right? That's what, that's what Lachara, most people would have done. Veheshev lo hagrach. He says, "Sheyesh chiluk bein dogim shebeyom ledogim shebebayis." He says, "The mice there's a chiluk fish in the sea versus fish that are confined in a fish bowl in your house." Shedogim shebeyom kiven shenim soyim beyam hagodol umukofim bemayim. Fish in the sea, they're mamish surrounded by water. The yam hagodol hareyesh lehem hishtokukus leod veod mayim. Then there's a thirst for more and more water because they're exposed to so much water. But the fish in your house, they have a little bowl of water. They have no shaykhis to mayim. They don't, yes, they don't have that, that thirst for every drop. The same thing is true with Liban HaTorah. Shemisha Godel B'Torah. A person who's living in Torah and his whole life is, 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 is the sugya that he happens to be in and he's hopping every moment. Then that engenders a thirst. 
The more that you have a hasaga, the more you have a sheifa, an ambition, the more you're exposed to the real world of Torah, not little tidbits here and there or this little thing on the WhatsApp, but your mom is living in Torah, then you have a thirst for Torah. And some say the pshat in the Pasuk of Mahafti Sorasecha, Kol Hayom Hisi So the Pashib Shad is that how much do I love your Torah, David Melech says, and therefore, because of my love, Kol Hayom Hisi My entire day, I'm, I'm thinking and I'm learning your Torah. Even when I'm involved with other things, but it's always on my mind, because I love your Torah. So some say the pshat is actually the opposite. It's How much do I love your Torah? David Melech is not saying, therefore I learn all day, but he's explaining, how did I get to this point where I have such a love and chukah for your Torah? Because kol hayom hisichasi. Since I was saturated in this my entire life, mamela that creates, that engenders a love of ma'ahavti sorasecha. It sounds like almost a spiritual rhythm. Meaning, when, when, in Gash, the person wants money so bad, they always need more. So if I, if nice, I thirst for nice. the Torah, and, yeah. and almost the materialistic way, like, I need Torah, then you're going to have a thirst always at more. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. <clears throat> Rav Chaim Velazhin, the famous Gemara in Menachos, that speaks about the Cheles, that the Cheles are blue, so they're Doma to the Yom, it's Doma to the Shemayim, or the Rekiah, and then you'll think of the Kisei HaKovod. So, obviously, there's a lot to discuss in that Gemara. But if Chaim asked the question, why do we start off by making the, the connection between the blue of Techelis and the blue of the, of the sea? Why not just jump to the blue of the Shemayim? So he says the Iker intent of that Gemara in Menachos is to teach you a similar idea to what this Chazal said, that the only way to get to Rekiah and Kiseha Kavod and everything else is to be totally saturated by the Mayim of Torah. Once a person just delves in, you know, you jump in head first, even though it might be cold and you're not adjusted yet, but when you jump in, then your mamish living in it, then you have this chuka, this tzimo'on, to get to the rakia and the kiseh hakava. <clears throat> uh, our time is uh, running late here, just a few more, a few more gems. The Shaila that was presented, and this really speaks about Shalom Bayes. And you know, ever read the, the book, the art school biography of uh, Rebetz and Kanievsky? Right? It's a beautiful, beautiful work. And obviously, the focus of that Sefer is the Rebetzin, but there's a lot on Rukhayim and the relationship and the marriage and the care they had for each other. And again, even just the very the loving humor between the two of them. It's uh, I saw recently somebody sent me a clip that they were, they were making a Siyum Hashas in Rav Chaim Zotzer Asvarim. So the, the young men were all there, and the, the guy leading it had the microphone. And uh, he's explained to Rav Chaim what we're celebrating in Mamish, their Messiah and Shas, such an accomplishment. Is it Shaykh for Sar HaTorah to, to give a bracha? To give a bracha. So Rav Chaim looks up. Thinks for a moment, he smiles. Shetizku ledas es hashas. There should be no zocha to no shas. That's bracha. You know, oftentimes there was a humor, but in the bias, you know, between him and, and Rebetz and Kanievsky, 
And there was a beautiful relationship. <clears throat> One of the stories it mentions in the, in the biography, I mentioned this in the ladies' share, that there was a Friday morning that Rebetz and Kanievsky, she would always bring in a cup of coffee and some cookies while he was learning. And Friday morning was the time that he was learning with Reb Zilberstein. They had a special chavrusa. <clears throat> and this particular uh, day, she brought in a bigger cup of coffee than she usually did because he was being Messiah, a few Masechtas. So she put it down and she said, you deserve more coffee today. Chaim, I am so proud of you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so he smiled and thanked her. The Rebbitson said afterwards, she explains that first of all, I do compliment my husband often in private. And sometimes, if it's appropriate, given the situation, even, even other people around, it's a good thing. It's a chizik. Even, even uh, the Gadol Hadar could use some chizik in his learning. And she went on to say that, likely for a wife, the most powerful words she'll ever express is when she's complimenting and being mechazik her husband. So I shared that with my wife immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you should know. <laughs> You said this in the shoe yesterday? I said this in the ladies' shoe. So hopefully you'll be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a Chazara next week. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can we set this out? <laughs> so. So let's listen to the following Shaila ben Nogeya, the uh, Shalom Bayes. The Gemara says in Megillah that Biyom Tov Ma'achrin Lavo Maharin Lotzes. What does that mean, Ma'achrin Lavo? So Rashi explains, Ma'achrin Lavo Lebesi Knesses, Shitzarach Litroach Besudas Yontov. That we start a little bit later on Yontov. In order, or because there's a need to prepare for Yontov, so we start davening later. And, and, and that's a Limitz Chus in general, right? For many people who come late to davening, the assumption is they're being matriach in the Suda and getting things ready and helping out at home. So the Yaivitz has the following question. The Yaivitz asks, I don't get it. Usually the way it works are the people that are preparing the Suda. So that'll be the, usually the wife, maybe some of the, the daughters help out. But that's generally how it works. So he says, It's not usually the malacha of the men to prepare the suda. The men are needed, though, as the women are preparing to, to watch the house and to be on top of the children. Right? First of all, their wives are working hard to prepare for the Suda, and they need the siyua, the assistance of their husbands. So that's Pshat, says the Yaivetz and the Gemara, as to why davening on Yantiv starts a little bit later. <clears throat> so Zilberstein explains, right, he elaborates on the Yaivetz. He says, Suda is really usually not Melechis Anoshim. So what's Pshat? So the answer the Yaivetz is, the way he's masbir, is shebe'emes ha'gevarim enam tarchim besuda. Maybe they're not the ones cooking and preparing 
Because when their wives are preparing, preparing Srichim Hagavarim Lishmur Habayas Vahabanim. Hine Lonu Kelestoru Hamiti Shell Base Yehudi. Says Rev Zilberstein, we have here from the Yaivitz a beautiful picture of what a base Yehudi is. What does a Jewish home look like? Shabo kol paula u paula nichlelis begeder avodas Hashem. Every action is included in avodas Hashem. Vachonus hasuda vechinuch habonim heim beetzim dover echad. It's all the same hachana. Shere lo yutachin she keres abayis tia asuka bebishol amachalim. It's impossible to say. Let the keres abayis be busy with the cooking of the foods and the preparing of the meal. And allow the kids to go unsupervised in the playground? That can't be. Rabbi Yisrael loves this, right? This is not, I'm going to write this down. Ah. You can't imagine this is not the base Yehudi. It happens to be, though, I, I think there is an important Ashkafa. Even before we get to Rav Chaim's answer, the, the notion of preparing for the Suda. And by doing so, right, making sure that we have four or five different kugels, we're going to neglect the kids for four or five hours. Right? I'll just put you in front of a device for the next five hours because we need more kugel. L'chara <coughs> the Yavitz would say, Lo yitachin kedavr Right, Everything has to be balanced. Anyway, so this is the Yavitz's answer to that question. He says, though, Gisi, my brother-in-law, Maron Hagun, Rav Chaim Kanievsky, he said that Lule the Raivet, the Yaivitz, Hayaev Shalomar, Shagam Hanoshim Hayubos Lispala Beis Knesses. Maybe another shot of the Gemara could have been that women would also come to Davin. Like it's the, the Gemara and Sota speaks about. Lachain Ma'achir Mesat Fila, Kedei La'afshe Lahen Litroach Livnei Kain Besudis Achag. And therefore, maybe we're pushing off the davening, not because the husband has to help, I'm sure he will do that also, but maybe it's to allow the women to come to shul and not be late. That was the suggestion of Rav Chaim. Now, it's also very surprising. If you were to pose this question, right, to any chosh of a Talmud Chacham of a high caliber, what's Pshad in the Gemara, that they come late to shul, that we have davening later on Yontif, and he would answer, maybe to allow the women to come to Davin also. He'd be a little bit surprised, right? <clears throat> but again, if the Gemara in Sota says that women would come to basic Knesset, so that could be the Pshat and the Minig. <clears throat> Share with you one last thing here regarding Chinuch, and we'll call it a day. <clears throat> this is an interesting sefer I picked up a little while ago that has different, different uh, quotes from contemporary Mechanchem and Eretz Yisrael, and it has a few beautiful things also from Rav Chaim. They asked Rav Chaim, 
Chovas and Mechanchim lahatir b'tzfila over kol Talmud. Is it true that there's an obligation on every Mechanich to daven for his Talmud or Talmidah? Rechaim basically said, that's probably their greatest obligation, is to daven for their Talmidim. Kedei le'oros, le'rosu ola u'mes'ala b'derech ha-Torah v'ha-Yiro. To be able to see them grow and ascend in their, in their Torah and their Yiro. To be able to fight off the difficult nisyonos of our time. Shebelot fila v'techina i'efshar l'hatzliach b'chinuch. Chaim said that without davening and supplication before the Bariolam, it's not that it's more difficult, but it's i'efshar l'hatzliach b'chinuch. It's impossible. Tfila zu sheyaches l'horim. This idea of davening is obviously true not just for teachers, but for parents as well. But even a Rebbe, they should be davening to see the bracha in their amelus and everything they're putting into the teaching. It's interesting, Revolba writes in the Al Ashur, he says, one of the main reasons we have to daven for our students and children is not just because we need siyata deshmaya, like Reb Chaim is focusing on, but Revolba takes a different angle where he says, even the Bein Adam Lechavero, because sometimes for some people, kids are annoying, right? They can be bothersome in the classroom or obnoxious or not listening to instructions, and Revolba says, the way to be machazik, our love for Talmidim, is to daven for them. Right? The more I daven for somebody, it's not just an expression of care, but it creates more, uh, creates more ava. <clears throat> we'll end with what Rav Chaim said regarding technology. <coughs> what? Technology. Meran, Sar HaTorah, Hagod Rav Chaim Kanevsky Shlita. B'michtav Kodesh Lebenei Yadus Sarfat. He was writing this to the Jewish community in France. He said, Vada'i l'salik l'hashmid. If there's a real issue, it sounds like he was addressing a real obsession with technology and the youth, right? Much more than just, you know, watching inappropriate things, but the whole addiction that comes along with it. What year was it in? This is going back a few years ago. And again, this is not for Halachal and but to get more of the, the Hashka from here. <clears throat> he says you have to do your utmost to make sure that they have proper, either getting rid of them or proper filters, so they can't be exposed to too much. Zehu Hatsola Shel Doreinu. This is the Hatsola of our generation. Ki Machshirim Hatameim Horidu Anashim Lishel Tachtis. Because these machshirim can bring someone down to the lowest of the low. The cholha mishtadlin lehis natik mizeh, and anyone who could be mishtadl in helping, you know, sever the <coughs> that cord of obsession and addiction to this world, yizku lecholha brachos muros betoro. So I took a picture of this and sent this to Rabbi Meth. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but to, to say the word zehu hatzala shel dorenu. And that's a pretty important thing. This is one of the greatest nisyonos of our time. 
how to deal with it in a thoughtful way, al pidas Torah, and not to ignore it, and to realize that one who is Moser Nefesh in this area will be Zoha to all of the brachos ha'amura b'Torah. It's interesting, he doesn't say to get rid of it and not to use it. No, he's, he's, he's clear, and obviously it depends on, on when it was written, you know. Right. Going back but 15 not, years but he ago. he doesn't take an absolute <clears throat> negative attitude. The fact that he says filters, meaning there was... Yeah. Right, right, right. Anyway. Just a question. The, yes. the term Sarah Torah, which has been used a lot, I don't remember any other Godel having that term. What, what was it? What, how did it come that he was... So I wasn't consulted when they came up with that particular... You know. <laughs> Now, it's interesting, I, I remember, I, I think, I think of Shlomo Zalman said about Ramosha. Ramosha passed away in 86, right? If Shlomo Zalman passed away in 90, 95-ish, 94, okay. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing that Shlomo Zalman said about Ramosha after he passed away, he was like, you know, the, the last of the Mohigan, so to speak, Lahavdil, the Sar HaTorah in the sense that he was the last human being on the planet that could mamish paskin mitoch shas. Like, yeah, like the, the, the general or the, the captain. So I'm not sure where it comes from. I don't know. And oftentimes these titles do have a lot of hype to them, you know. But not in his case. Not in his case at all. Obelemaisa, I think like we, we mentioned the Chalashudas, the reason why it's a kapara, the, the Misa of Tzadikim is a kapara like Yom Kippur, is because it's an Eis Ratzon. It's an Eis Ratzon because Klape Shmaya, there is a Simcha, that there's an Neshama that's Naki and Tahar that's being returned to its home. It's a time of Tsar and Avelis for us, but the realization that it's an Eis Ratzon gives us more of the, uh, the encouragement that we could do something to be Mishtatif and filling that void of Kedusha. We should find that thing and do it. Okay, she's going to